Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Beat, a podcast about health law brought to you by Seifarth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare group. Each Healthcare Beat episode focuses on key industry trends and legal developments while identifying practical takeaways for those dealing with these issues every day. I'm Chris DeMeo, a Seifarth healthcare attorney in Houston. And I'm Heather Kloss, a Seifarth health attorney in Sacramento. Let's get started. On this episode of Healthcare Beat, Chris and I turn our attention to the subject of, well, ourselves. Who are we, the hosts, and why are we hosting Seifarth Shaw's Healthcare Beat podcast? Chris, would you like to get us started? Sure. Sure, (laughs) You know, whenever I I hear somebody as an expert on a radio or a podcast, my first thought is, who are you and why do I care what you think? And exactly. So, uh, <laughs> let's pose that to you, Heather. Who are you and why should we care what you think? <laughs> Starting with an easy one. Great. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I am a healthcare lawyer, obviously. I am senior counsel here in the Sacramento office, born and raised California. I am coming here from a regional firm also in Sacramento, well situated in the capital of California amongst a lot of healthcare regulators. So that works well for me. Prior to this job, I worked in a number of different positions within the healthcare field. So prior to this firm, I worked at another firm. Prior to that firm, I worked for a managed care plan. So a public health plan. So obviously there's a lot of regulatory that you have to know. I worked in the compliance department of that job. And then I also straight out of law school worked for a health sciences academic center. It was actually UC San Diego in Southern California. So I've been working in healthcare since graduating from law school and I love it. So that's kind of my general background. And then now here in the healthcare practice group of Cyfarth, I'm continuing to do kind of a lot of what I did in the past, but I do compliance work. And so I'm here to learn, but also to contribute what I can to this very interesting and dynamic field. That's really good. I didn't know most of that stuff. Well, there you you. go. (laughs) Heather, is it true that the California legislature goes about its business by reading the laws in every other state and then doing the exact opposite? (laughs) I, you know, I can't tell all the secrets, Chris, you know? Okay. Okay. Um, Well, I think think that's that's a a rumor. (laughs) (laughs) So... You gave us a great background on the regulatory compliance and in, in, in a variety of fields. So what are the primary issues that you and your clients are facing nowadays? Yeah, sure. And I've obviously, you know, by virtue of my background, kind of working in different kind of aspects of the healthcare field, I have seen these issues from multiple sides. But one thing that does come up a lot and has been coming up a lot lately, privacy issues. So, you know, with technology and, and, you know, this is something we covered on our last podcast, but with technology, with expansions and consolidations, privacy issues are just right on the cutting edge of all of that and a growing concern. So we're talking about HIPAA, but we're also talking about state specific privacy issues pertaining to information that's not even necessarily health information. So yeah, it can be very difficult to navigate. And certainly I empathize with clients who are trying to do that and trying to do the right thing. But that's been coming up a lot. The corporate practice of medicine is always a very hot issue. It's kind of crazy to me that something that is totally fine and passes muster in some states, a handful of states is possibly a felony in other states. 
So that is, again, a very tricky area for clients to navigate. And I partner with a lot of clients in navigating that issue. And then coming to California specifically, we have Senate Bill 184, which just passed. And this applies to healthcare transactions that close in April 2024 forward are going to be overseen by this newly formed Office of Healthcare Affordability, which was formed to, quote, increase public transparency, unquote. So this is a new thing. There's always new things in healthcare, especially in California. But this is going to apply to transactions of pretty much every type of healthcare entity. So this is kind of the scuttlebutt in California is how is this going to work? And obviously, you know, for transactions closing in 2024, that's coming up very quickly. And there's a lot that happens before a transaction closes. So this is really already starting to impact entities. So yeah, those are really the big things that come to mind first and foremost, but obviously there's a lot more as well, as you know, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the most satisfying part of your job? Yeah, that's a great question. I do find my job very satisfying. I have to say, I don't know, is this a lawyery answer to say that the most satisfying part is also the most frustrating part? Um, (laughs) Sort of a non-answer, but Yeah, I I think that it's very satisfying that it is difficult to navigate. And so the clients that we're working with are very sophisticated parties. They know that there's no easy answer. So it really is a partnership with the clients and you have to really understand their business and how they function and how basically money moves through the system. And you really have to learn very quickly all different types of businesses and different types of healthcare entities and kind of what they are and what their purpose is. And so I think that challenge is is very satisfying, helping them navigate through not having an easy answer. Sometimes the answer is there is no answer and we just have to figure it out or we have to mm-hmm. kind of do things and see what happens or, or reach out to regulators. So I think I really like that ambiguity, although it can be very difficult to deal with sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you have one you have a legislative body, you know, with the statute, then you have the administrative body with the regulations, and then you have the court trying to interpret everything in between dog bite cases and criminal convictions, trying to figure <laughs> out sophisticated healthcare issues. It can be. It can be yes, daunting. yes, yes. We are not working in on dog bite cases, so <laughs> very true. <laughs> so you told us uh, a little bit about your first job coming out of law school. But since then, what is the situation you found yourself in for work that you would never have anticipated when you were coming out of law school? Yeah, I mean, maybe this is maybe this is obvious, but for me, it was certainly COVID. And I feel like COVID sort of exemplified a lot of what makes healthcare so difficult. Prior to that, you know, things like fires that displace people, um, which was happening a lot in California, unfortunately. And how do those people then have access to healthcare? I mean, healthcare is really so all encompassing. It seems like such a niche, but at the same time, it really touches everything. So we have a global pandemic that's healthcare, clearly. There's an emergency. There's a state of emergency declared by the governor. There's a fire. People are displaced. That impacts healthcare. But I'm a little I'm kind of getting away from your initial question, which was kind of something unanticipated. I would definitely say COVID. And I remember the early days of that kind of not knowing. Obviously, Mm -hmm. people are going to need, you know, their health plans and their healthcare providers. But how is this going to work and kind of dealing with the new relatively new issues relevant to telehealth? That came up a lot in the early, early days of COVID. So, yeah, that would be my answer. I think that I could not have anticipated that. I don't think, you know, a lot of people could have. So, yeah, we're in an interesting place now. 
Yeah, for sure. So same question, who are you and why do we care what you think? So I knew that was coming. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm a partner in, in Seifarth's office in Houston, which is home to the Texas Medical Center, which is one of, if not the largest medical complex in the world. And a lot of exciting things going on there on a regular basis. I've been practicing law in the healthcare industry since 1996. In my first job, uh, everybody had dictaphones and nobody had email. So that's how, <laughs> that's how old I am. I started on the operational side, uh, defending medical malpractice cases for hospitals and nursing homes. Since then, I've transitioned to focus more on regulatory compliance issues, mainly fraud and abuse and information privacy and, and licensing. And in that context, it comes up in internal investigations for clients, business deals, and I still do a smattering of litigation. The great thing about working at Cyfarth is I get to work with a lot of our colleagues across the country and even internationally working on healthcare projects in most of the 50 states and even abroad. I've collaborated with our colleagues across the pond in Switzerland and Australia and even Turkey and, of course, the wow. UK. So you tend to think healthcare is uh, local, but with the explosion of digital health and, and telemedicine, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really exciting. Yeah. It's funny too, how the work can kind of pull you into different areas. So it's partly what you're choosing, but it's also, it chooses you a little bit. Right. Okay. And same second question for you. What do you feel in your practice are the primary issues facing you and your clients kind of right now or lately? A lot of my clients are banging their head up against the No Surprises Act wall, mainly because every time the regulators come out with a new rule. The courts will invalidate it. So it's a constant churn on, on how to do this correctly. Most of the court decisions are generally favorable for providers. So, so that's a good thing. I'm not complaining. On fraud and abuse, we've gotten a lot of inquiries lately about marketing, ancillary services like labs and devices, et cetera, as it relates to the prohibitions in the anti-kickback statute. There was a pretty big case that came out at the end of last year that had a lot of people scratching their heads. And, and since then, you know, whether it be the providers themselves or the marketing companies are rethinking how they uh, they go about promoting these goods. And that's, you know, from laboratories. We have clients in the pharmaceutical industry wrestling with this, as well as device manufacturers. What I find interesting lately is how. The False Claims Act is making its way into standard of care issues, namely medical necessity and being liable for a false claim because the care was so bad, you should have never asked for payment for it. Wow. And so that um, that kind of blends back from my early days on the, uh, the malpractice circuit in dealing with standard of care issues and how that melds with the knowing requirements under uh, the False Claims Act. And then medical necessity, what is the standard of proof there? I mean, can you just find any expert to say, well, I would never have ordered this test or does it need to go beyond that? And and the courts are are going in different directions on that. So it's, a, it's an exciting time for that issue. And then finally, helping develop new delivery models, leveraging digital health and uh, in and non-traditional aspects of healthcare to be more proactive than reactive. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, so can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you shift from being like more proactive? It seems like, you know, a lot of us could benefit from that, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's so, uh, you know, a lot of it is uh, inspired through the, the advances in technology because you have lots of other entrepreneurial sorts getting into healthcare because it's weighing a lot on apps and wearables and different ways to communicate that are more consumer oriented. And so you can track certain things with consent, of course, of a of a patient that might be in a certain risk group very non-invasively and, you know, with their smartphone or with their Apple watch and and collect that information in a secure way and use the data and leverage algorithms to be some predictive analytics. And so looking at it from that perspective to reduce health costs rather than reducing health costs by simply not paying for anything when it's necessary, (laughs) making (laughs) some of those chronic problems uh, less necessary. And a lot of it comes with focusing on different Issues, you know, uh, mental health issues, uh, societal issues that are showing to be determinative of a person's overall health. So with that shift in focus, it's exciting to be collaborating with some payers and some charitable organizations in that context. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Sounds like that sort of mindset is something that would benefit kind of everybody, really. So, Chris, what is the most satisfying part of your job? So kind of picking up from where I just left off, it's mainly helping people. You know, this is a service industry. We're here to help. And what I've become very interested in lately is healthcare access. And with the advent of these new technology modules and modalities, the ability to reach more people in a more meaningful way is very exciting and satisfying. And then Noting the uh, the intersection with legal issues, because studies show that a lot of healthcare problems are either started or complicated by a legal problem. And so being able to address that as a lawyer to help the person's health and then overall well-being is something that I find very satisfying. Wow, that's very interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, that's a great point. So final question. What's a situation you found yourself in for work that you would never have anticipated when you were coming out of law school? So when the uh, U.S. Supreme Court first upheld the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act, it made news all over. It wasn't just a healthcare issue. It wasn't just a, a legal issue. And so I was invited to talk on several local and national television broadcasts to talk generally about, you know, what the ruling meant and, you know, how the law would look moving forward. And I was on a local show in Dallas, the morning news show in Dallas. And the lead in for me was next, we're going to hear from a legal expert on the recent Supreme Court opinion about the Affordable Care Act. But first, what's with this new Hollywood trend of using bird droppings to erase wrinkles? (laughs) I didn't cut the commercial. And so I ended up following a story about how Tom Cruise and other Hollywood stars rub bird droppings around their eyes to to reduce <laughs> crow's feet and other wrinkles. And so I never would have thought in a million years I'd be having that type of conversation. And at that time, you know, 
bird dropping wrinkle therapy was not an essential health benefit under the act. I don't, I don't think it is now, but uh-huh. I, I would agree with that assessment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It goes all back to the medical necessity. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> See everything. Uh, healthcare touches everything really. <laughs> That's right. So, um, well, this has been great. I, I uh, really enjoyed this interaction with you talking with you, but let's not forget our guests. I mean, usually we have other people on with us. So far this year, we've had experts in cybersecurity and information privacy. For 2023, we are looking to talk about employment challenges in the healthcare space. So looking to talk with some of our colleagues uh, that are specialists in labor and employment, talk about some special issues in the corporate merger and acquisition space for digital healthcare from a publication that the firm recently put out on that specific issue. And, you know, we're always going to have a good dose of fraud and abuse and information privacy. So we'll get to meet a lot more interesting people over the course of 2023. So speaking of 2023, what do we have coming up in our next episode? Yeah. So our next episode, um, which is going to come out in January, that will be our first annual healthcare law year in review. So everything you wanted to know what happened last year, we try to keep it between 15 and 17 minutes. Ideally, make it really easy for you to tune in and, and just get caught up. And that promises to be super informative and cover kind of everything that happened in the last year. So please tune in. It'll be very exciting. And also wanted to mirror your comments too, Chris. This has been very interesting learning about you. Well, thanks, Heather, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for joining us for another edition of SciFarth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in health law. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit SciFarth.com or follow us on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.